Welcome back to the Guy Who Knows a Guy podcast. These are bonus episodes that did not fit into Season 6, which is a countdown to JV Connect. We hit JV Connect, and we still had some great interviews to share with you. But don't worry, you haven't missed JV Connect. It's a quarterly event. You can learn more about it by sticking around to the end of this episode. We'll tell you all about it. But right now, check out this next awesome interview with one of the awesome people that the Guy Who Knows a Guy knows and is going to introduce to you now. Welcome to the Guy Who Knows a Guy podcast. I'm your host, Michael Whitehouse, the Guy Who Knows a Guy, and our guest today is Jeff West. Let me tell you about Jeff. After over 30 years in sales, sales leadership, and entrepreneurship, Jeff West is now a best-selling and award-winning author, speaker, and leadership coach. His books, The Unexpected Tour Guide and Said the Lady with the Blue Hair, co-authored with direct sales legend Lisa M. Wilbur, who I think thought I had on my show, but maybe I had her on a different show. I don't know. We were talking about that beforehand, but I definitely have met her, definitely know her. She's awesome. Anyway, those books have earned recognition from the Axiom Business Book Awards, the National Indie Excellence Awards, and the American Book Fest Awards. His latest book, Streetwise to Saleswise, Become Objection Proof and Beat the Sales Blues, co-authored with Bob Berg, who you may remember from earlier this season, and is earning praise from business leaders around the U.S., he has been a guest on numerous sales leadership shows and is a member of the Go-Giver Success Alliance created by Bob Berg and Kathy Tagenham. Welcome to the show, Jeff. My honor. Thank you so much for having me on board, Michael. Awesome. Yes, so so we were talking earlier because you, you, you talked about becoming objection-proof and creating fusion points. And, and when I was going through the notes you sent me, I said, okay, objection-proof. I, can, I don't know what that is exactly, but I can guess what that means. And you talk about the science of how people make decisions, important, can kind of figure out what that means. And then fusion points. What's that mean? So tell us, let's start with there. What Tell us about a fusion points and what that means. You know, fusion points is actually a branding that I did, Michael, that grew out of my question that I had when I was leading a team of about 400 salespeople. And that was, I could get two people in the same room. Their resumes looked similar. Their leadership skills looked right. Everything about them told me they'll both be very successful out there in the field of sales. And then I would put them out there and one would decide to stick it out and be great. And the other would make the decision to quit. And it puzzled me why that happened. So I began to study the science of how people make decisions. And long story short, I ran across the works of a Dr. Antonio Damasio, who was a professor of neuroscience at uh, USC and a, an associate professor at the Salk Institute. Long story short, the entire process is built around the idea that people make decisions only when they can connect logic and emotion together. No one makes a purely logical decision. No one makes a purely emotional decision. It's that combination that happens. And if it's a negative emotion in our brain, two things happen. Number one, it sends a somatic marker into our chest. We start feeling funny. We have a physiological response that we don't like. We don't want to go forward. So whatever logically we were trying to do at the time, the decision is to get away from it. Mm -hmm. On the other hand, the use of positive emotional responses between our ears, when that touches our chest and creates a physical, physical sensation for us, that is a sensation that people love. And so when you combine that with the logic that you're trying to accomplish at the time, it creates tenacity. It creates so many good things. So I basically, I define a fusion point is that moment in time. It's a unique point where logic and positive emotion merge and ignite. And it creates 
acceleration, it creates commitment, it creates energy, and it moves the process forward. And what I do is I teach salespeople how to do that in a sales process, but I teach entrepreneurs and small business owners how to create that in their market and with their team. Mm, yeah, that's that's powerful. And so it would not only be to make prospects move forward with the process, but to make your team and yourself move forward with the business and and I imagine this would also probably help with some of the the you know, morning routine stuff, the getting from sleeping to working and, and absolutely, you know, bouncing back from a challenging situation, those those sorts of things. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and when it comes to building a business or growing a sales career, uh, your success, your future isn't determined by the economy. It's not determined by the political landscape. It's not even determined by your competition. It's determined by how one simple question is answered by your prospects in the market, by your sales team, by the your support staff, the people that work for you. It, it's how they answer one simple question. And it's when it comes to their relationship with you, will they persist or will they quit? Mm. And you learn how to work within the science of how we, we're naturally built anyway. What it does is it equips you to have some influence over those decisions and they want to stay with you and move forward in the process. Mm, yep. Yep. Very powerful. So we were talking earlier because the theme of the show is around networking. And of course, you're part of the, the Go-Giver Success Alliance. So tell me a bit about you know what, what that's done for you and you know how networking has helped you build your business. Well, that's a great question. You know, when I guess it was, I can remember exactly, it was in January of the year 2000, a sales mentor of mine, I was in the insurance industry at that time. I was in North Texas and I, I was a district manager for the insurance carrier that I was working with, still self-employed, but had had overrides involved. And a sales mentor of mine gave me two books and it changed my world. One was John Maxwell's 21 Irrefutable Laws of Leadership, a great leadership book. But the second one was a book I had never heard of by an author. I had no clue who he was. And it was Endless Referrals by Bob Berg. And reading those two books and applying what I learned from those, even though they didn't necessarily apply to my industry, I adapted them to my industry. That made all the difference. And, it's, and it, my career went from being an average district manager that would would make my numbers one time, miss them one time. And I wasn't in danger of getting fired, but I wasn't a superstar either. But two years after I implemented what I learned at Endless Referrals, which was basically built around the idea of what proper networking is, I, at that time, two years later, I was a regional manager. Two years after that, I was a state manager. And I was a state manager the last 10 years of my career in insurance until I decided to start writing and speaking and doing this for a living. But uh, to me, networking is all about focusing on how you can provide value to the other people in the network and how you can make those connections. You know, in uh, when I was reading endless referrals, one of the things that I saw in that book that just jumped out at me, and I have implemented it in everything I've done since then, is asking the person that you're working with at the time, what do I need to know when I'm out there in the field? What do I need to know to, to make sure if someone I run into is a good referral for me to send your way? And you think about the magic in the networking process. If everyone is focused last, like that and you start making those connections, everybody wins. Mm -hmm. And Bob was talking about doing it in networking events and all that in the book and in other places too, but that was the primary focus. You know, talking about don't give your cards out and say, or have an elevator pitch or whatever ready. It was talking about really working on making the connections for people and providing that value. 
So how it directly applied and helped my career take off, I began to develop a network, a referral network of my existing clients. Mm -hmm. I at that time, I, I probably had 200 different clients that were employers and I was involved in their employee benefit program. I went in and, and I asked, I, I told one of the owners, it was a place in downtown Dallas, Texas, on the 23rd floor of a building. And I don't like heights all that much either. But I had a meeting with a owner of the of a mortgage company that was one of my clients. And I had called him ahead of time saying, I want to pick your brain about a couple of things. And he said, sure. So we got there. And the first thing I did, I sat down with him and I said, you know, the first thing I want to do before I ask you what I'm going to ask you is tell you thank you. He said, for what? And I said, I feed my family by providing, getting involved in employee benefits and providing uh, the services that we offer. And I am, that's how I, that's how everything in my life outside of work works effectively. And I just want to thank you because you're a part of that. And I appreciate that. Of course it, it was true. And of course he appreciated the compliment. And I said, but I want to ask you a question. And he said, what? And I said, I am out there in the marketplace all the time. I'm contacting new companies. I've got existing clients. I need to ask you a question. What do I need to be looking for out there? What questions do I need to be asking people to know if they would be a good referral for me to send your way? I want to return the favor and help you too. And I'll tell you what he did, Michael. I'll never forget this. I actually wrote this scene into my first uh, book, The Unexpected Tour Guide. But he said, he took off his glasses and he laid them on his table and he said, I'm going to answer that question, but I have to tell you something first. And I said, what? And he said, I've been in business 30 years. I've had a lot of salespeople ask me for referrals. This is the first time ever a salesperson has ever asked me how they could refer business to me. Thank you. And of course, the discussion just got even better. And he told me what to look for. I had already kind of planned a couple of things in my head. And so I said, well, hang on just a second. And I picked up my cell phone and I called a client that I felt like would be a good referral for him. And I got him on the phone and I said, hey, I, I just want to ask you a question. I've got another client who does, who owns a mortgage company. He's starting to do some things with employers and their employees. I think he would be somebody you should talk to. I think somebody that, that it's a good connection there for you. Would you mind if I gave him your contact information? The person said, no, that'll be perfectly fine. And I said, I'll tell you, I know the guy. I've known him for a while. I like him and I trust him. And I think you, you guys will get along well. And they said, he said, great. So I hung up the phone and I did that in front of the person that I was giving the referral to. And so that worked out. He, long story short, he and I keep saying long story short too many times. If I were writing, <laughs> I would edit, I would edit that out. But, but he, he and I developed a, a referral network. We would have lunches where he would have, we'd have it at his place and he, his uh, business. And we'd invite some of his clients, some of my clients, and we just began to take it off from there. And I also began to teach that in my team. And it wasn't just that I did it and I was great at it. It was also, I was pretty darn good at equipping the others around me to know how to do that too. And so that's why, when it really took off. So that's how networking for me made all the difference. Wow. Yeah, that's, it, what I love about that is, is you know, there's nothing new to me in the basic principle of that, ask people how you can help them. But the way you did it very intentionally with your clients, because we often think about this with our network or the people we're meeting in, right. in networking, but to actually ask your client explicitly, you know, how can I refer? And even if you can, if you can make a referral, that's great. Mm -hmm. And even if you can't, maybe they say something and you're like, yeah, I've never met anyone like that. 
That's right. yeah. Yeah. Well, well, really, I'm looking for a, you know, a one-legged midget who's into basketball. Oh, it's <laughs> interesting. I'll keep an eye out for that. You don't have one, but just the fact that you asked. Right. Cause that's, I find, you know, in, in networking events, I, I find to the extent that I, I catch people flat footed. I asked them like, so who are you here to meet? Who's your, if you could meet anyone in the County, who would you like to connect with? Oh, I don't know. I'm just looking to get out there and see who's there. Like, really? You know right. the business, right? Like, you know your customers, really? But, but you know, they're so not used to that because they're used to everyone coming up and being like, hi, I'm Michael, I do this. And, you know, so-and-so hires me for this and whatever. Right. But that idea of deepening the relationship with your client for that. And that's such a better way than saying, who else do you know who I should talk to? Because, like, who else do I know for you to do a sales pitch to? I don't know. Versus how can I help you? Right. How can I refer to you? You don't even have to ask him for referrals. He's going to, most people, once you've introduced them to one or two people, they're going to be like, okay, I really need to refer you to someone now just so I can feel better. Like you're giving me so much. I, you haven't even asked for anything. I got to give something in return. So that, that that's a really powerful concept. I love it. Well, you know, the, an interesting thing too, and you touched on it there, is when someone's asking for referrals in, in any context to, to to just ask doesn't work very well. But if you get specific and you ask deeper questions, that does the same process here. When you ask someone, what do I need to be asking people? What do I need to be looking for out there to know if they're a good referral to send your way? It, it gets them thinking deep, deeper. And so it works well. And it actually creates a fusion point like I described earlier, mm. because what I did at that point is I created a hugely positive emotional response in my client and I had a I had a positive emotional response with them anyway, but but I created that and then I combined it with a logic of getting helping him do more business. And when I did that, it created a fusion points. And until I got promoted and moved away, we 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 stayed in contact pretty well. Yeah, that's that's a hugely powerful concept. And and I love that idea of that you're creating the create that. And then the other and you mentioned specific. And one of the things that's important about specific is you know, if in BNI, which is where I, I started networking, I find right. BNI is often the training wheels of networking. Like everyone started there and then they sort of build up and, and often to be the, 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 the ass are not very specific. They're, you know, oh, anyone with a spine, I'm a chiropractor. Yeah. I'm like, right. I, okay. Yes. Everyone I know has a spine. No, I'm not going to refer anyone because that's not them. But if somebody, every once in a while, someone gets really specific and excessively specific and, you know, if somebody says, yeah, so so my the clients I'm really looking for are, you know, gray haired guys named Jeff with a Texas accent and a background in the insurance industry. <laughs> and, and you know, I want to talk to them so I can make an offer. If I was to reach out to you and be like, Jeff, you will not believe what the ask was at this BNI meeting I was at. He said gray haired <laughs> guys named Jeff with a Texas accent who worked in the insurance industry. You want to meet him? And you'd be like, sure. Yeah, like that's me. Okay. I don't even. I'm your guy, and I know you like your interest. Selling, but I that's you need me. <laughs> awesome, and so, so there's such power in that because you feel special, right? Whereas, be like, hey, yeah, anyone who needs insurance, send them. Oh, yeah, you need insurance, right? But if it's right. if it's yeah, yo, this week I'm focused on people who have uh, ordinal directions in their name. Jeff, you won't believe what <laughs> someone just asked for to be an I group. That makes it easy because because then it's it's you. It's not just it's not just right. someone. Right. Absolutely. Yep. So that ends up being, being very powerful. And so, so you were, you were telling me about the, actually, yeah, you're telling me about the story about, about Lisa Wilbur. I think that was an interesting one too, how you ended up 
co-authoring the book with her because it's funny I, I met her a few years ago i think right. i may have, may have had her on my power launch live show I swear i had her on one of these shows i don't know once you get to 200 something episodes it all starts to blur together <laughs> but I, I think it was interesting when you were sharing the story of how you ended up co-authoring that book with her said the lady with the blue hair tell us a little bit about that well lisa and i were both in a group that bob berg has bob berg and kathy tangenel the go-giver success alliance and we were on one of the first Zoom calls for that group. And it's a mentoring community, great group of people. It's it's literally my favorite hour every week. But the the first meeting, Lisa was on there too. And, and people don't know this about Lisa. When you first see her, first meet her, she's Avon's fifth highest earner in history. Mm-hmm. She's huge in direct sales. And she was on there and she had blue hair. And she was a little bit self-conscious about it because even though she's been super, super successful, she... Uh, just a little bit self-conscious about it. And then, so she get, felt the need to get on the call. And, and so she got the screen and she was telling the story of why she got blue hair. And she had, she told the reason she had made the decision to do that. But then she added a little thing. She said, you know, if you ever want to stop being less judgment, I'm going to do this in Lisa's accent best I can. <laughs> if you ever want to, if you ever want to stop being less or start being less judgmental in your life, dye your hair blue. This is working for me. He says, I can be in a grocery store and see a young lady who her skirt's a little too tight, her skirt's a little too short. And I can think, wow, skirt is just too short and tight, said the lady with the blue hair. (laughs) And and so she said that I'm listening and I'm cracking up. And I type in the chat, hey, Lisa said the lady with the blue hair would make an awesome book title. Because at this point I had been writing and and speaking for a while and I had not done any co-authorships. And so long story, I said it again, I'm going to stop that. I'm going to start saying short story long. Yeah. But <laughs> what happened is about a year, year and a half later, I guess it was when I decided to change my business model a little bit. And instead of just writing my own books, go ahead and, and do some co-authorships, kind of like what Bob Berg and John David Mann did mm-hmm. with The Go-Giver. And I reached out to her and, and we, that's what we did with the said the lady with the blue hair. And it's, it, it's, that book, too, also led into my co-authorship with Bob. Bob and I have actually known each other for 20-plus years now. We met in 2003, I think it was. And so when, and if there's enough story, I'll tell you that how we met. It's hilarious. But and just that relationship, we've become friends over the years. Uh, he approached me about doing speaking gigs with Aflac, which was the insurance carrier that I was with. And so I helped him as much as I could in that. And then as I became a state manager, I had him come in and speak with our group. I, I literally wrote letters of referral to every single state office with Aflac because Bob's that great. And so as, as the time went on and everything Bob does, I tend to, I tend to jump in there and get involved with it. And so do, having that successful collaboration with Lisa is kind of what led into this, the collaboration with Bob on Streetwise to Saleswise. We were, uh, it was about fourth quarter last year, I guess it was. And Bob was sending me an email about something he was going to do. And he wanted to know my thoughts on it. It, it was a publication he was about to do about objections. And I said, and just as a comment in there, that I, it wasn't even something he was really thinking about. But he said, by the way, keep this because when we do our parable, this will be a, uh, something we might want to refer back to. So I replied to his email and I put a little PS and said, by the way, if you're serious, that answer is yes. <laughs> and so we began talking about, he, he had this objection-proof manuscript that he'd had for years. And he was thinking about doing something with it. He never he never published the, the actual work. 
and he it, it was a how-to book. And so when it comes to, he decided he really would rather do it as a parable. So he approached me last year and it, it kind of went from there. It's set in New Orleans and the, the, I'll, we'll get into more of that if you'd like, but it's- Yeah, just, yeah tell me about it. Actually, my next question is going to be, tell me about the book. So oh, okay. tell me about well, the cool. book. <laughs> it's called Streetwise to Saleswise, Become Objection Proof and Beat the Sales Blues. And it, it's a sales parable or a business parable. It's what I like to write the most. I will write nonfiction. And then technically a parable is nonfiction, but it, it that cross it's like it's, it saddles over fiction on one side and business mm -hmm. on the other side. But it's set in New Orleans. It's the story about a young salesperson who grew up on the streets of New Orleans and he lets his mouth get ahead of him a little bit. And I won't go into too much because I loved, I love the story. I don't want you guys to read it, but it's, he gets, he, he, he finds himself out of that job and then he gets a job in sales and he had no clue he was going to do that. It wasn't something he intended. And so what we do in the story, we, we take him through his growth from a brand new person who knows nothing about sales all the way through a year where he's really doing well. Mm -hmm. And we weave in the fabric of New Orleans. When I write a parable, I, John David Mann, who was Bob's co-author on The Go-Giver, he is my writing coach. He is someone who's been a mentor to me, a friend. As a matter of fact, in the new book, he's somebody I mentioned in the dedication because he's he's just been that awesome for helping my craft. And I, I wasn't a slouch before, but I'm <laughs> several le levels better now that I've worked with John because he's awesome. But there's like 30-something books, nine New York Times bestsellers. But anyway... In the process of doing this, one thing I learned from John is I like to write the geography of a location almost as if it's part of a character. Mm. So in New Orleans, I've got a music background myself. So I love the music of New Orleans. I love the food of New Orleans. So it's it's just been one of the places that I'll go. And I was sitting there with my wife, and I believe it was on New Year's Eve, maybe a day before New Year's Eve, going from 2022 into 2023. And by, I knew the material we were going to use in the book. We we're going to use some of my sales training, which we did, my leadership training, which we did, and the same with Bob, some of his sales and leadership training as well. But I didn't really have the story idea yet. And we were sitting in New Orleans mid, mid to late afternoon. And we're on a balcony of a restaurant and we're just enjoying the day, having a glass of wine. And a, a street performer started performing out there. And it, I love street performers in New Orleans. I just do. I can't help myself. <laughs> I sat there and literally, Michael, the story came to me and I knew the entire story arc with major and minor characters from the get-go. Now, it evolved over the year that I, when I'd write a book, and that's not, I don't turn it out in 30 days and say, here, buy this. I don't do that. I make it, a, I'm, I try to do a really great job with it. Mm -hmm. But it, it, we work in the flavors of New Orleans. We work in secondary characters that people have told me they can kind of fall in love with and we do some unusual things that I did in the audible version. I actually, I throw a surprise in there. I'll just leave it at that. It's a musical surprise that I throw in for everybody. But. Nice. So, so, so audible is where I should go listen to that. Or should, or well, audible. That, audible kind of for it. Yeah. I'm one of these people. I buy a book that I like in every, in every format. Mm. I tell people, if, if you want the hardback, go to Barnes and Noble. Their delivery times are so fast and it's, it's the best for the hardback. If you want the ebook or even the audio book, you can go to Amazon because that's immediate delivery on both of those. But uh, I tend to have it at all because I like having my entire library on my phone. Every book that I have, I've got on my phone. I can be on a plane. I can read. Mm -hmm. I also, 
I like I like holding a, a hard book in my hand. I just I like having yeah. that there so I can take notes. But I have so fallen in love with audiobooks over the last few years. One of my favorite writers in, in fiction is Michael Connolly. And I'll listen to the Bosch series or the the, mm. the Lincoln Lawyer series. And I'll I'll just I can I can do it for hours. I really can. Yeah. Yeah. And they're they're really well done. Or some of them are really well done in terms of the the voice actors and the performances and and just really has a it, it's funny sometimes I listen to an audiobook and and the the reader will read it in a certain way and I'm like there's no way that's written in the book you know like the, they'll make a sound you're like, ah I'm like there's no way it says ah in the book or you know right. has that sound or 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 it'll say you know you know be choked out and they actually say you know choked out um, the way they they say it, it's just really it's more of a performance, just like somebody reading you a book, and it's very powerful. Exactly. But but the other, I I love the the business parable format, and there's not a lot of them out there. But yeah, the Go Giver, of course, is a great one, and and I think the great thing about a a business parable is it makes you want to read the whole thing. Most business books, most people tell you they they, and I've heard people say this is actually how they read them on purpose. They read the first quarter. That's kind of the main part of the book. And then the rest is just application. They skip that part because they've already got the the nugget of it. And then, you know, they move on. But with the business parable, you know, you listen to the go-giver. You want to get to the end. I, I listened to uh, One Minute Millionaire. And mm -hmm. I was actually really surprised because oftentimes a business parable, it's it's a story structure in order to give structure to what they're teaching. But they're still, you know, teaching something. And listen to One Minute Millionaire. And I'm like, wait, there's actually like a story arc and tension and and conflict among minor characters and twists and like this is actually a real story that's also a parable like wow this is the next level you know next level stuff so and it sounds like that's what you're doing with with your book as well with streetwise and saleswise that that it's even if you're not learning to sell it's an interesting story about a guy in new orleans and and like visiting a city and all that which is is a really cool way to learn and that's what's really going to draw people through a book it did if if i had a if I had a nickel for every time I've read part of a book, <laughs> I'd have a lot of well, nickels. You know, you make such a great point there, Michael. It, it, if a book can't grab me or grab mm -hmm. you or grab anybody pretty darn quickly, you can you can lose interest in it and then you want to go do something else. And one of the things that that is one of my favorite compliments I ever get when someone tells me, if especially my I have friends that will read my books and they're not in sales. And when they tell me the story was so good, I couldn't put it down. I read it cover to cover on one sitting. That's mm -hmm. a big deal to me. Yeah. But the, the audio book, one of the things I love about that, and you'll appreciate this, it's uh, audio is a good format. And it, what happens is uh, whether someone's an entrepreneur or a, just in a corporate world and they're leading a team, the, the leadership lessons that are in the book and the sales lessons in the book, it is so much like you're literally sitting side by side with your mentor in a live selling situation mm -hmm. or in a live conflict situation if you're in a business and someone is showing you, okay, this is how you'd handle this. And yeah. it's, it's, it brings a lot of value that way. Yeah, but, and it makes it very, very clear, you know, what this actually means. Because often they go through, that's one of the things I found in, in One Minute Money. People have explained to me the concept of you can buy real estate with no, with no cash a bunch right. of times and people try to explain how and i'm like okay i think i did you i think you do that it's only when i heard it told in a narrative format and they're like right. and then she talked to this person and this person explained this is what our money is and then they did this I'm like oh that's how it works okay because you're doing it in theory then it, it's very dry and you're like okay wait hold on and go go back what was that thinking but when you're listening to the story narratively 
then it gives you that framework because that's you know humans are built to exchange knowledge and stories we're not built right. to exchange you know just dry like here's a list of technical terms and then apply that in this way and then at step 14 you will find this result like uh, you, you need you need stories to provide a a structural framework for your your ancient human brain to understand it you know it loops right back around to a fusion point because what happens in a parable or in a good narrative, even teaching a how-to book like that, mm -hmm. it connects an emotional part of your brain with the logical part of your brain. And just like in a fusion point where it moves things forward, people get comfortable taking the next step. People also retain what they're trying to learn so much mm. better that way. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And, and and I think also, you know, if you're coming along with the, you know, think about like with the go-giver, there's the, the emotional arc of, of, I can't remember the main character's name, but the main character who's, you know, who's so, struggling, huh? Joe, his name is Joe. It's Joe. Okay, yeah. I think I was thinking it was Joe. Like, it can't be Joe. That's too, too obvious. <laughs> I, I remember the chairman's Pindar, but I can't remember Joe. <laughs> right, right. But uh, yeah, so, you know, Joe, you like you feel his struggle. And then every time he learns something, you feel that, like, hit of dopamine. Like, ooh. And you're coming right. along with him in that. Whereas if you were just reading the five points, you know, the five steps of being a go-giver, you wouldn't have that same pop. Well, you're like, Correct. okay, oh, this is interesting. Yeah, this might work. Whereas you just watch Joe get one step closer to solving his problem and feeding his family and and doing what he needs to do. And yeah, so I, that's, I'd never really thought about that way, but but it's, it creates that association and makes it more, you know, when you encounter that, you think, oh, I might do this. Right. You've got that, you've already got that positive momentum. Like, I feel good about doing this. You know, it, I don't know what I don't know what your age is. But I'm in, I'm in my early sixties, and I used to read business parables a lot. You know, it was it was like Ogmandino and things of that nature. I loved the books, and they kind of seemed to die off. Mm. The Go Giver began that journey back with it. The, the Who moved my cheese out of the maze? There's a lot of them, but they're coming of age again. But what's happening now with this with the audience that we have? So many of them had never experienced a parable. So I'll get people that are sending me messages saying, oh my God, I love that story. I learned things. And they're going, it, it's a new experience for them. And that that's actually very rewarding. It really is. Yeah, no, that, that's pretty great. And and especially now in, you know, because everyone's written a book. So there's, you know, you could read books every minute for the rest of your life and not begin to right. keep up with even the good ones. And not all of them are good ones. So the, the parables, <laughs> they... And, and the thing is, too, the things we're teaching, I recently ran a, a, a summit called the Breakthrough Summit, and we had all kinds of people signing up for it to speak at it because every coach can teach it some kind of breakthrough, mindset shift, whatever. It's what they all do. So right. it, it was it was a great event. But I, I commented at one point, like, nothing that's been taught here is less than a few thousand years old. We repackage it. We change the way we say it. We have a different concept right. to it. But it's all, you know, it's all in the Bible and the Quran and the, you know, Confucius taught it and Taoism teaches it and, right. and ancient Greeks taught it. It's all the same. Like we're all human. The basic human truths don't change and how you apply those human truths don't change. It's simply how do you teach it and get that information across? Right. So as everyone's writing their book about, you know, how to overcome objections, sales, mindset, focus, motivation, whatever, it's all the same old stuff repackaged in different ways and maybe it's a little tweak here a little tweak there but so putting it into a story is actually the oldest way of sharing information but also very helpful because it makes it stand out and then give you something you can talk about you say oh yeah i remember in this book where the character did this as opposed to yeah i think this book 
teaches that in some way, right. It, right. it it makes it feel more feel more real, feel like something you can attach more to, which is which is a really cool concept. So, well, you know, my background is actually in music. I have a bachelor's degree in music education and a master's degree in music composition. And those two degrees and a ten dollar bill will buy me a cup of coffee at Starbucks. Yes. But, <laughs> but, and and when I was doing my student teaching, I had a great guy that I was mentored by and and, and worked with him for about six weeks on learning how to be a better teacher. And he was he, one of the things that he taught me was when you're working with a beginner, or whether you're working with someone at any level, sometimes it's not so much that you're te teaching something new but you're having to find different ways to say the same thing to deliver the message because sooner or later, one of those ways is going to resonate and it's going to work. Yeah. Yeah. And so, yeah, so yeah, I love this concept with the pair. I'm definitely going to check out streetwise to sales wise and get that on, get that on audible. I've got a, yeah. another road trip coming up. So that's a great time to listen through. Well, it's a 19 hour trip. It's probably the entire book fits into a couple it's states. About a four hour, about yeah. a four hour. Yeah, so that's like the length of North Carolina. So. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. <laughs> or you know, Dallas to Houston, I think. So, <laughs> or or that's a regular regular commute in, in Texas. It's around the corner here. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yeah. So it's been great having you on here. I love this the fusion point concept that idea of linking the the emotions, you know, the emotions to the the logic and and that connection. And oh, you were going to tell the story about how you met Bob, and you said it was a good one. So, well, when I, not, not long after my career first began to take off in great part to endless referrals, I began to come into the sales organization training school in the, with the insurance company I was with every month, the state manager would have me come in. I would tell them my personal story. It was motivational. And then I would finish up by telling them a little bit about those two books, endless referrals and, and 21 irrefutable laws of leadership. I had been telling everybody about this book so much, and I was always promoting it inside my sales team everywhere. Well, I was a regional manager for the company in Plano, Texas. And then my administrator buzzes in one day and she says, you've got a phone call. And I said, who is it? And she said, some guy named Bob Berg. And I thought, yeah, one of my buddies is playing a joke on me right now because I'm such a big fan of the, what I'd learned in the book. And so I get on the phone and as you know, Bob has this definite, distinctive voice. It, we call it positive vocal velocity. It just carries, you know. Yep. <laughs> he gets on the phone. He says, hi, Jeff. This is Bob Berg. And I said, sure it is, fella. Exact <laughs> quote. And he said, excuse me? <laughs> I said, is this really Bob Berg? And he said, yeah, this is really Bob Berg. And so then I told him the story and how much endless referrals had meant to me. And he was flattered, but and he was actually calling me to prospect to get in to speak with Affleck. And so it was funny. That's how we met. And we just became friends. And it's, it stayed. So, so we had no idea sense. who you were. You were just on his call list to get into. I was, I was a, I was a cold call for him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, you got some personal brain going on when that happens. <laughs> right. That's exactly uh, correct. That that's amazing. That's fantastic. Well, I think that's a great note to end it on. That was a great story. Love it. So if people obviously people can look up Streetwise to Saleswise wherever they that's Streetwise to Saleswise become objection proof and beat the sales blues, co-authored between Jeff West and Bob Berg. How else can people get in touch with Jeff West? Oh, thank you so much for asking that. 
The first thing I'll tell you is on Streetwise to SalesWise, just go to streetwise to saleswise.com and all the links to go to all the retailers are there anyway. And you can read about the book and see what some people are saying. They can also, if, if they're interested, anyone in your audience is interested in having me work with you on uh, developing the kind of relationship in your team that keeps them there or your sales process for your, your business, go to fusionpoints.com. That's plural on fusion points. And, or if you lose track of anything else, just go to jeffcwest.com. You'll find everything there. I love it. Great hierarchy of websites. Well done. Yeah, very well organized. I like it. So this has been great. It's been a lot of fun talking to you. <clears throat> it's funny. That's how you being the show. Yeah. I, I pretty much at the end of 2023, I, I was like, Hey, I'm done recording season six episodes. And then I got the reminder about today and I'm like, what? I have another interview on my calendar in late January. All right. Well, what the heck? Let's do it. I guess it's already here. Sure. And I'm so glad we did because this has been a great conversation. That's why I like having a podcast, meet cool people. So thank it's been you. It's an honor to be here with you. Yes. Thank you so much for being on. Once again, that's streetwise to saleswise.com, fusionpoints.com, and jeffcwest.com is the, the center point, the nexus of it all. So thank you so much, Jeff, for being on the show. My pleasure, Michael. Thank you so much for having me on. Thank you so much for joining us on the Guy Who Knows a Guy podcast. I'm your host, Michael Whitehouse. Be sure to join us at the next JV Connect. Learn all about it at jv-connect.com. You can also get my Five Steps to Profitable Networking course for free right there on that site. Our goal is that in two days, you're going to get over $100,000 of value from the connections you made. And this applies whether you are brand new in business or well-established. So be sure to join us, jv connect dot com in march june september and december all the dates and details are right there on the website jv connect is coming up quick december 12th and 13th if you are looking for a networking event where you can meet people who aren't looking to just pitch you or take, but actually want to collaborate, build strategic partnerships, joint ventures, maybe even find some mentors, some coaches, people to support you, accountability partners, who knows? If you're looking for good people in an environment that's not stressful, but is set up to give you a lot of great connections in an efficient amount of time, check out JV Connect, jv-connect.com. That's jv connect.com, December 12th and 13th, 2023. We'll see you there.